Hello, welcome to episode four of the podcast. In this episode, I sit down to talk with Chris and Janie from Latitude 49. They do a lot of playing, but they also do a lot of advocating for the arts, some really interesting programming, and some creative commissioning of artists and composers to work with them. Check them out. Their website's latitude49music.com. We also just launched our new website, slypubproductions.com. It's the same URL as before, but it looks a lot cooler now. Go check it out. Here's episode four. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Um, For the listeners, if you want to introduce yourself, or I can introduce you. Usually I find I'm not good at that. We can do it. So today on the show, Chris Floyd has... (laughs) (laughs) Chris Floyd fails at his job. We have the other Chris, that is Chris Size, the percussionist of Latitude 49, and the pianist and artistic director, Janie Parsons. Hello. Hi. Well, thank you for being here. We're That's so glad pleasure. to be here. We yeah. love Sly Pup. I'm literally wearing a Sly Pup t-shirt. You are t-shirt. wearing a Sly Pup t-shirt. It's a comfy shirt, though. You bet it is. Next level. <laughs> yeah. That's the company. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I have a few questions, but sure. we can get off topic as much as we want because mm-hmm. it's our thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, the first thing, though, is just uh, getting a group like Latitude off the ground. Mm. How even? <laughs> How even? <laughs> How even? In terms of like... You've got all these people. Mm-hmm. Ostensibly, y'all kind of started as students or like immediately former students. Yeah, we and did. And then building that into something as mm-hmm. successful as you have. Well, it happened fairly organically, to be honest. Like we started as students and sure, that was a lot of work. And, you know, but the w- way we function now is so different than mm. when we first started. So, and we've had a few member changes and our commitment to each other has grown sort of naturally mm-hmm. and our commitment to the group and our vision for what the group could be has changed so dramatically. So it's been five years since we formed and when we started, we were just students wanting to play music that we were passionate about in ways that we felt would really reach people and... Um, be exciting and create kind of, uh, you know, alternative performing experiences than just a traditional solo recital or a traditional um, experience. So that was kind of what we were going for initially. And then it just kind of grew from there. Um, a lot of our rehearsing and stuff happened here at the University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. and Before the new wing and right, all these new chamber yeah, music rooms. So. Yeah. It was actually quite a challenge. And our first concert was in Britain, Recital Hall. So there was nice. a lot of these sort of grassroots things. Um, our first paid concert was at Grand Valley State University. And Bill, Bill, Ryan. Bill Ryan so kindly invited us out. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of like our first experience in um, being paid to do what we were doing. So <laughs> right. the pressure was a little <laughs> higher. And um, as the stakes kind of got higher for us, that was sort of the start mm. of something good, you know, as they say. Um, And things have grown from there in terms of the projects that we do are more refined. The people that we work with, the composers, are more in line with us and our own growth and development, Mm -hmm. perhaps Mm -hmm. a little farther along even than, um, you know, than our student model, which um, was focused on a lot of student composers. And um, so as we've grown, it's certainly been interesting to see how each member has really um, 
uh, kind of connected to the group in really intimate and special ways Mm -hmm. that make what we do even more meaningful as we grow. And we we have far more concerts. You know, we did like one concert in our first season. (laughs) And I think this year we have something like 15 or 16, you know, and all over, you know, multiple multiple states and multiple Mm -hmm. places. And so never really going somewhere and playing the same concert twice. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Yeah, it's pretty It keeps it lively. It keeps it lively. It's also... You know, it's <laughs> it's it's real. Um, the schlep is I'm, very yeah. real. I mean, you, as percussionists, yes. we know all about that. I, I and yeah, you know, that that's kind of one of those questions: how even? Yeah, yeah. And so then, go go ahead. Yeah. So percussion equipment is mm-hmm. a pain to move sometimes. Always, but always also like having a piano mm-hmm. or. You know, is the space big enough to fit sure. what you mm-hmm. need? Do you, are these things you plan for? Absolutely. And how? Yeah. Uh, I mean, great question. Like, you know, I think the other instrumentalists in the group who are not the percussionists never thought of those things. But now it's always, you know, in in the conversation when we're planning a concert series or, or a program or wherever we're touring, we always ask the questions like, Okay, do we need to rent gear? Because do we own all the instruments on the program? Mm. Um, does Chris have to make anything? <laughs> Which is always fun. I mean, I like I love making instruments. Mm. I, I really like it. It is fun. That. Yeah, it's great. It's kind of like it's one of those things that like have I don't know. I feel like we've always had to make instruments. Like, yeah, it's like a. Uh, I think everybody likes making things. Yeah, it's like I made this thing. Now it's a part of this concert, which yeah. is like mm. part of our vision. And then it breaks. Mm-hmm. And then it breaks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but... Immediately um, after the concert yeah, ends. Yeah, the last note you have on it, and it's gone. That actually happened the other day with this <laughs> kick pedal I brought and other other story. But, nice. um, yeah, the questions of logistics are very big on our minds these days, especially mm-hmm. just with uh, the amounts of music we're playing and the level that it's at. I mean, it's fairly mm-hmm. challenging music most of the time and the amount of travel we do absolutely and chris and i are kind of the logistical nightmare of the group because mm-hmm. of piano which is unmovable <laughs> right. and True. percussion which is movable at a cost right. you know so we try to find ways to um eliminate make, as much cost yeah, as we can eliminate as much as we can and then create mm-hmm. setups that work so even on stage we're not like chris is kind of a genius of the jigsaw um, in terms of the instruments, like we didn't have to do any major set changes That's on nice. six right. crazy pieces the other day mm-hmm. and very different pieces. So um, that's important too because we want the flow of the concert. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to have to have a 20 minute set change or right. Right. a huge instrument change. But it's certainly a concern, I think, for any group that has percussion. Yeah, absolutely. Is how to get the instruments, how to get them around. <clears throat> and then also, it's been a real learning experience. I can say this from a non percussionist standpoint mm-hmm. of how to assist in that. And it's been a pretty team building experience for us because even nice. today, as we're tearing down, you know, um, Jason's doing the marimba and mm-hmm. and people are taking, you know, snares off of stands and folding up the stands and it's safely, like, slowly, correctly. Right. And <laughs> and all of us have learned um how we can play a part in that. And you can only watch a percussionist try to put together a whole stage full of instruments oh, yeah. Yeah. and and not feel that you need to be part of that. So it's very much a part mm-hmm. of our group initiative. We yeah. unload percussion first, we pack it up first. Yeah. So nice. uh, but to kind of sum that up, uh, the way we do it, um, 
a lot of our gigs have been um, driving distance from um, Janie and I live in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the gigs have been driving distance, which means I can use all of my gear. And that in itself, like, if you're a percussionist, like, really trying to do it, like, you got to collect, like, the moment you decide, like, that's your thing, you just need to start collecting instruments. And that's what I did. When I was a lot younger, I started collecting instruments. And over, you know, the past 10 years or so, like... (laughs) It's grown it, to be a huge collection. I call it hoarding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like I'm it out. does. It does look like that. <laughs> yeah. and it's like we are at the point. It's like, oh man, this is this is problematic. Where's the space? But, <laughs> um, but the thing is, you know, that uh, eliminates a lot of rentals for totally. us. And yeah. you know, it's really great to come to some place like Michigan, that has all the gear, and mm-hmm. you know, of course, ask nicely. Right. I mean, and Professor Gramley and Oval and. Uh, the new coordinator, Jonathan Smith, they've been, you know, totally amazing in the support. Uh, that's like a huge weight off our shoulders, literally, mm-hmm. yeah. to come in and be able to use the gear here. But um, And as you know, our model yeah. moves into a traveling model, that's certainly something that we uh, are looking for is, is mm-hmm. residencies and places where we can go and uh, meet with their students and use their equipment and yeah. not have to fly things across you know, as our network grows out mm-hmm. of a drivable distance. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it's easy for us to do a lot of these concerts because we have the gear. Right. But that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, like New York City last season, mm-hmm. I had to, I mean, I did drive a lot of gear out there because uh, the rental fee over there is, you know, ridiculous. But I did have to rent a marimba, five octave. Wow. And um, lug that around New York City for a couple days, which was pretty intense. But uh, in general, like, we try to um, eliminate any rentals if we can. That's good. But, you know, it, of course it comes up. Yeah, so you're not, a, you're not letting, like, the fact that you don't immediately have an instrument or something available affect, like, programming uh, I mean, super hard at least? Yeah, not super hard. Like, usually it won't be like, oh, we can't do that. It'll right. be like, what can we do? Is this possible? Mm-hmm. What's the budget look like? Mm-hmm. Things like that, and if it's possible, then we'll try it and we'll mm-hmm. go for it. It's like I don't know, I don't own a five octave marimba, but we've found ways to get around it, and it's a lot of um, using school equipment or um, renting from a friend. Honestly, mm-hmm. yeah. gotta get creative. Yeah, absolutely. But absolutely. honestly, we haven't had a whole lot of limiting factors. Mm-hmm. Generally, we love to play music that stretches us and pushes oh, yeah. us in new ways. So it's yeah. been pretty – we've never really had a piece that we said we can't do this for logistical reasons. Right. That's good. Yeah. So Chris is just certainly more on the yes side of the logistical yeah, If it hurts, question. then it, it's good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not learning if it's not hurting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess you could. That makes sense. It's, I don't know if that – is that a good way to frame it? I mean, it's a way to frame it. Uh, you're right. It's a way. That's just one option, folks. Yeah. But so in terms of programming, mm-hmm. um, you guys kind of have a unique approach to that. Mm. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, well, when we started, we just would just put music on a program that we liked. You know, it was sort mm-hmm. of that uh, <laughs> standard undergraduate uh, effect where you're like, I really like this piece and I'm going to do this, 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 have an intermission, do this, 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 and call it a day. Um, And what we discovered with more conversation and more reflection is that 
when we ourselves have been in concerts that have been really powerful is because there's some sort of an experience that allows us to lose track of time, to get into a sort of a flow state where we see ourselves in the music and we, mm. we hear ourselves and our lives are sort of reflected in the music. So the question is how do we create that for our audience? How do we have them fall into that flow state where they're, you know, hanging on every note? And, and um, so one way that we thought might be interesting is to engage people in their own memories. And that was sort of the start of it. We did a concert that uh, was very much a reflection of different memories and different ways in which memory affects our life. So like that different types of memory. Different there's types nostalgia. Of, yeah. And like there's the, the the kind of beautiful thing of nostalgia. There's also like the bittersweetness of it. And mm -hmm. then uh, even dreams. Mm -hmm. That was part of that concert. Uh, we did the, the George Crumb dream sequence, mm -hmm. which was like perfect. It really, it was a perfect piece for that program, I thought. Yeah. And so the the memory idea was something that happened and i think we found it so powerful and a lot of people did that we thought you know it's not that hard to curate it takes thought and it takes it takes um really you know making the time to go outside of the music and really think about how you can create a really effective performance but it's an important question to ask ourselves in today's world mm -hmm. how can we make our art reach people and how can we connect people with themselves and with the music that we play which they very likely are hearing for the first time mm -hmm. yeah. so they have no point of of you know they have no point of reference um so that's been something we, we are kind of continually pursuing sometimes we base it around a piece that then becomes an idea Mm -hmm. um, for a concert, uh, even our recent, we have a concert this year about identity. And I think all of us question at times our identity. Who am I? What am I doing here? Am I really supposed to be in a music degree? Or, mm -hmm. you know, it can go for any Definitely. career. Like, who am I sexually or sexual orientation? Who are we as a country? Who are we as a nation? You know, who are we as a, um, I'm Canadian. Who are we as, as latitude? Mm -hmm. So the, like the idea of identities is something that everyone kind of questions who they are. And we had a really wonderful piece mm -hmm. that we programmed this year a lot by a Yumishalam Annika Sokolovsky called A Sense of Who. And it was really about her discovering more of herself here in Ann Arbor through um, sort of folk music and Irish music. Mm -hmm. At Connor O'Neill's. At Connor O'Neill's. Nice. Yeah. And so she, you know, she wrote this beautiful <laughs> piece just about um, having a better sense of who she was. And we thought that was a really beautiful and meaningful connection for audiences. And so we commissioned a piece that the composer was excited about that. And so he wrote on that theme. And, you know, a lot of the music in that program is very much to do with discovering self-identity or um, just grappling with what that is. And, and, and yeah. also promoting self-identity. Mm -hmm. For and, sure. You know, just being proud of... Uh, who you are or who the composer is and what their sound world is like. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, each of those composers on that program is very different, which we kind of wanted to put them side by side and people could really get that, that each of them had a very unique voice and a mm -hmm. very unique sense of who. And it's more than just entertaining people. I think what we're trying to do is more than that. We're trying to, sure, we're trying to, some people will simply be entertained and they like the music or they don't. Um, but we try to go deeper to really move people, you know, or to have them 
be inspired to act Mm -hmm. or to discover for themselves. So it's kind of by trying to connect deeper, we feel that there's, we get more out of it. So do our audience. Yeah, it's, that's touching a lot, especially for, um, if somebody comes to a concert, like say with a friend Mm. or they saw the poster, they're like, oh, that looks neat, but they've never experienced um, chamber music or something of that nature. Mm. Mm. It would be that I would like to be in their brain yeah. for a fly on the wall of their skull. Yeah, I guess. yeah, we would too. Sometimes we wonder, yeah, is this effective? <laughs> is yeah. it working? How are you feeling? And um, then, and then you get every once in a while uh, an audience member that is really, really, really moved, and you feel like um, you've made an impact on them, and that makes an impact on you as mm-hmm. the performer artist. That yes. We are doing something that is coming across. It's meaningful for us, and it's meaningful for other people, and that's mm-hmm. really validating. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. The the concert experience is changing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's so does that has that changed with the development of the group? Certainly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And as we've t- kind of tapped into a little more sensitivity of our audience. Like it's not just about coming to a concert and being entertained. It's mm-hmm. about being engaged and being inspired and mm-hmm. um, and trying to understand more about our deep, how that, our deep concert experiences and how that could affect other people as they listen to us. And I, I think it's a really worthy pursuit that musicians should try to do sooner than later, even as students. How can I curate a program that makes the music really speak mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. really reach people. Um, it's like there's so many ways to do it. Yeah. I mean, there's staging, just the way the setup mm-hmm. of the spaces. Um, are people really close to the musicians? Mm-hmm. Are they more traditionally seated, such as a concert hall? But what do the programs even mm-hmm. look like? The physical yeah, the, the actual themselves? paper program, or is it digital? You know, yeah. can people pull it up on their phones? That has a different connotation. Are you telling people a lot or a little yeah. or nothing? Yeah. Like, do you have how program you... notes? Are they <laughs> are they in poem form? Are they prose? Right. Are they traditional we, program? Yeah, notes? we tend to fall into like, okay, I have a recital, so I make a printed program, and mm-hmm. I do this, that, and this. And rather than thinking of the performance as a concert experience like how can I create an experience where people walk away and feel that they understand more about themselves Mm -hmm. or they're more curious about themselves because let's face it there's so much in this world that is hard and brittle and um, uncompromising you know and music is the one well one of the very few things that can really um, give people a moment. It's it's structured in time. Mm. So it gives people the time to reflect. And we don't do that very often in our world. So mm-hmm. if we can through music, it can be a soothing experience, even if the music itself is not soothing. You know? Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. The experience can be... Uh, really healing. Yeah. Healing. Yeah. I think that's the word we and need. Effective. And we, yeah. as musicians, we need to be a voice in the world for listening more closely to each other and being more sensitive to ourselves and being able to express ourselves and how we express our humanity. And also being sensitive to others. Yeah. I mean, um, just doing this thing with latitude, um, my gosh, I've learned so much about being more sensitive to people and 
whether that's with, you know, the ensemble dynamic and just being able to help people when they need help and but also through the concert experiences and meeting the audience members it's it's been a a really beautiful thing to experience and really grow um and it, it's i think it's very special and unique when you have a group of people that you all feel like you're growing together and it very much feels like a family yeah mm-hmm. i i think one of the things as a musician that i enjoyed i guess realizing later mm-hmm. was that you know, we're we're taught to listen for like instruments and mm-hmm. like early, like okay, you got to learn how to do scales, you got to <laughs> learn how to do X, Y, and Z, and then later in life, it's like, oh, I can like just tone a voice listening to just anybody talk about anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I can I can interpret mm-hmm. what you're trying to say without words, essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's Absolutely. it's it's nice that you kind of incorporated that almost into an entire concert. Mm. So. Speaking of that, actually, um, you've commissioned a bunch of stuff. Yeah, we have. It's and been exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so how? what process do you kind of go through to maybe, I don't know, if, do you fit a commission into a, a, a concert that you've already designed? Yeah. Or do you design a concert around uh, a handful of commissions? Or We've certainly done it, we've it done a few both. Yeah, yeah, we've done a couple different ways. I mean um, – uh, two of the commissions last year were they formed to kind of round out our debut album. By the way, our debut album just dropped on January 27th. Pre-order now, latitude49.bandcamp.com. <laughs> oh, sorry, order. <laughs> I did so much like pre-order now, pre-order now. So like it's kind of like great yeah. in my head. But now, get it. It's great. can just buy it. Yeah, they can buy it now. Yeah. It's on our Bandcamp. But um, <laughs> that was silly. Shameless self-promotion, guys. It's okay. Uh, but uh, the two big commissions we had last year were from Virgil Moorfield and Gabriella Smith. And those were um, mainly to kind of round out that album. We uh, had a meeting, you know, this was a while back, mm-hmm. just kind of thinking, okay, what's this project turning into? And we're like, oh, well, it's it's a debut album. And then we really looked into it like, okay, is this a – is this enough to be, you know, an album? And we realized, okay, I think we need two more pieces. And that's yeah, it was what, kind of like we were about. missing a piece of the yeah. of the album puzzle yeah. with what we already mm-hmm. had. So sometimes it's something like that. But you know, in terms of the composers that we've worked with and the and the commissioning, we would love to do more. We would love to have a big budget, and maybe that's a matter of. You know, getting bigger donors who are like, hey, we want to sponsor these big projects. Mm -hmm. But we would love to have more commissions and bigger commissions um, and do a wider range of that. But, you know, we work within what we're capable of financially. Mm -hmm. And it's a big priority for us financially to make sure we're creating art in the in the creative process, as we say, instead of the recreative process. Right, right. So, um, <laughs> there's a lot of recreativity out there. Yeah. So we we like the creative, mm-hmm. and um, and we want to reach composers, and we want them to be part of our extended family. And so, really, when we thought about composers that we want to work with, it's a matter of finding a composer, or perhaps they have find us that we feel that they are in a similar place or they're, they are positioned well and we are positioned well to really help each other. Mm-hmm. So a composer like Gabriella Smith, who was just gradu- graduating from Princeton, um, 
and is sort of beginning to build some traction in her own career was a great choice for us at a time when we could afford her. You know, right. in 10 years, we may not be able to. Uh, I'm assuming we won't because she's great. Yeah, she's um, really great. You know, so it's just uh, part of it is what we can do now. And maybe in 10 years, we will be able to afford her because we will be at that yeah. level too, you know. so you, I think you'll be able to afford her. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Very nice. So, Very nice. you know, the commission has been a really exciting part of what we do, though. And there's nothing more exciting than opening that email with all the attached files. I mean, it is like Christmas every time and uh, all of us get pretty excited about that when we've spent a lot of energy and time and we really talk about it we have never commissioned someone on a whim we've always really talked about what kind of uh, composer we're looking to commission and we look very thoroughly at the music that they play or sorry the music that they've written in the past to try to get an understanding of what they might be giving us. I mean, yeah, it's going to yeah. be a different but, piece. But, you know, with that with that being said, you never, you never know. know. You just yeah. never know. Like, yeah. and you really don't. I mean, I uh, we commissioned a composer and we thought we were going to get something, but we got something totally different and it was for the better. And it was like, nice. it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Yeah, that was Virgil's piece. That was Virgil. Okay. Because, you know, we'd seen him play and heard his music mm. at New Music Detroit and he's a rocker. I mean, he's in yeah. like, he's like a you know, I mean, he, what I would call like trasher drum kit, like just crazy rock I mean, and roll. He, he was a drummer. <laughs> Rager. You know, that was his you know? career. Before and he became a composer, he was the drummer for Swans. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> so we were right. kind of expecting like a, a beast of a piece. Huge. But we, we ended up with this gorgeous um, kind of um, homage to people who are refugees essentially mm-hmm. and to people who are displaced. And yeah, so it became about a social also thing. Also on the debut album. <laughs> <laughs> Which interestingly enough now has made us think more about programming when you get a beautiful piece like that. And part of what we are is to design those kinds of programs. Like we've thought more about offering program where we would bring that back and having that be a theme of mm-hmm. like per- hmm. perhaps having some sort of theme where that element is – is a valid yeah. part of the um, presentation. Mm-hmm. So it's, sometimes it happens like that. Phil's piece this year, we mm-hmm. we mentioned that we were doing an identity theme, and mm-hmm. I I really don't like to have the composer feel that they have to do right. something. So that's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah, they need to feel free yeah, that their really ideas a, are really what we're looking for. We don't like for. prescribe. Okay, yeah. you need. You know, right. we do send them like the percussion instrument list. That's that's one thing. <laughs> you have to stay in that. But it's not like you need to use these specific instruments. We kind of send them like, okay, we have all these things, and uh, here's a few guidelines that could really help because mm-hmm. we found, you know, just kind of trial and error with um, past um, commissions and performances. We found that these things really work well, but mm-hmm. for the most part, it's like go, yeah, and. Uh, can't wait to see what happens. And That's we, great. Yeah, we want to know what they have to say with mm-hmm. our group. And we hope that they get to know us and hear us even in just in our recordings to know what we're capable of. And mm-hmm. we, we love to be challenged and in musical and, and physical and technical ways. Like, mm-hmm. So we're always wanting to work with the composers really closely. Mm-hmm. Usually there's multiple Skype sessions and oh, try this out and let's yeah. hear that, how this sounds, all that it's kind of nice stuff. It's nice that that you've established kind of like a, a good amount of trust where like it's like we're not going to tell you what to do. Yeah. And like we're only going to provide you with like you know, here's what we got. We'll do whatever. 
you just got to write it. Uh, I mean, yeah, you could for you could, the most you part. You could kind of put it that way. Um, <laughs> you just have to write it. Uh, right. I mean, there's there's a little more finesse going yeah. on in there. <laughs> I oversimplified it. That's okay. <laughs> Um, but you know, uh, back to that trust you were you mentioned, and um, it's important to to show trust both ways because then the products just or not the product, but the project, you know, the, the outcome. Let's right. say the outcome is so much better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both people feel that they can express themselves in an honest and a way that's very true and safe. You know, people feel safe working with. Other people, but and then sometimes not. But that also creates really interesting collaborations as well. <laughs> but uh, the trust <laughs> definitely is important both ways. That's good. Mm. Cool. Well, I think we're just about out of time, actually. So awesome. Thanks. Right. Thanks cool. for being here. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thanks it's for been having a us. Doing what you do. So yeah. okay. So before I let you go, okay, uh, <laughs> you just dropped an album. Yes, we did. Okay, and we just became a nonprofit. So just if you amazing, if you have open hearts and open pockets, <laughs> okay. please visit our website where which, you can donate, which is www.latitude49music.com, and we have all sorts of stuff there: videos, audio. Um, you can get to know a little bit more about us, figure out when we're playing in an area near you, and uh, and just stay connected with us. Mm-hmm. The album yeah. is called Curious Minds, and it is a collection of some of our earliest commissions and some of our uh, most recent commissions. So in a way, the album represents a history of the group, which I think is really meaningful to us. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah, and uh, we're happy with it. Nice. Curious minds. Sweet. Well, thanks. Absolutely, and thanks, Chris.